Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is it 53 or could it be 54? Let's check on a telephone. Made in China by Chinese slaves. Are they slaves or are they just poor people? I don't know. Come on, da 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 da. Press the button on the first episode. 53. Mm-mm. Five and three. Mm-mm. You and me. Listening to the sound of my voice coming through your ear holes. Isn't it strange? Isn't it strange? People. Uh, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Rascals. Non-rascals. Council freeloaders. Isn't it strange? I, I speak. I vibrate. The, uh, the, the, the bits in my, in my mouth. My tongue. My tonsils. And uh, say words. Generated from my brain. You know, but is it, is it I who's having these thoughts? Am I thinking what I'm saying and speaking the words? Or is it, am I being controlled by a higher power? You know? Are we are we dancers or are we soul-caught prodigy boys? That is the question we have to ask. Anyway, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Um, recording this on Tuesday. I know you're listening to it on Wednesday, but uh, at the moment we, we're not able to do a function of live broadcast. Maybe we could do that in the future. You know? Maybe we could do a live a live podcast as well. Once a week. Who who knows? Listen, the world's an oyster, man. You know? 
Um, why that is the phrase, I don't know. Not a particular fan of oysters. Uh, very slimy. Very, very slippery. Uh, never actually had one. I'm not, I mean, I'm saying I don't like them. You know, I'm judging a book by its cover. Uh, but then we are, that's what people do. It's probably the one saying in life that's bullshit. You know, never judge a book by its cover. Nine times out of ten, the cover looks like a cunt. The book's going to be a cunt. Turns out he's a cunt. Yeah, nah. I can't say I can't. Listen, you could put a fucking fancy suit and a shirt and tie on a cunt, still a cunt. Know what I mean? Anyway, for episode 53, uh, odd start. Uh, I, I say we record this on the Tuesday, 3rd of November, because as you listen on the 4th of November, you know, we could be set with four more years of Trump. <laughs> four more years. <laughs> I uh, will be staying up to watch the election. Uh, I quite enjoy um, a, a bit of ele- le- electrical uh, shenanigans. Um, should just say at the start as well, if you do hear a bit of banging, um, my upstairs neighbour have decided to uh, murder each other uh, and then simultaneously dig up their floorboards, rip out their kitchen and bury the bodies uh, amongst the uh, ceiling panels of my flat. Uh, the noise is horrific. The bastards have been banging all weekend. Um, in a weird sense, I'm kind of hoping that something goes wrong and they do come through part of the roof because I'll be up there like a fair up a drain pipe going fucking tonto in the cunt. So I suppose, you know, office hours, they can bang away, but if it continues into the wee small hours, eh, I'll be I'll be doing a, a, an American-style invasion of my own. Like the SAS... In the fucking in the embassy, I'll be going up over the balcony through the window. Still banging, you bastards! Again, one of the issues about living in a flat, you know, I think most of us dream of a detached cottage uh, in the in the countryside somewhere, you know, surrounded by nothing but green, green pastures and animals, huh? Wouldn't that be a nice life? Wouldn't it's, isn't that what happens to to most of us? You know, we get a bit older, and you realise people are fucking dicks, man. Yeah, nah. People are fucking dicks. And then you move it to the countryside, and you get a little bit of of fucking nature. You know, glorious countryside. (laughs) Smell the the air. You know, sweet. And all right, you kind of get a delivery out there because nobody recognises the address. And they go, I don't know where that is, mate. It's, just, it's a boundary, Charles. But then that helps you lose weight. Yeah, nah. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing better for a large gentleman or lady to live in a, in a, in a house, an apartment, an area that does not receive delivery. You know, maybe that's the next thing you need to start putting on home reports. Does this house get delivery? And if it's like, no, you're going like, listen, I could do with shedding a few stone, I'll maybe rent this for a couple of months, shift some poundage, get back to my fighting weight, and then go back out into the real world. Who would have thought that Deliveroo would have been the, uh, you know, the fifth emergency service now that fucking lockdown's kicked in? Um, here's, here's, some, here's, something. <laughs> here's a question for the masses. I am a Deliveroo man. Uh, it's the only app I have on my phone. It's the only service I use. And I'll tell you for why. Used Uber Eats once. 
bumped me for money, charged me on my Uber Eats, charged me on my Uber. Yes, the money was refunded. Yes, I got all the money back, so I effectively got a free dinner. But that will never be forgotten. Never be forgotten. You know? And I, and I, made, a, I made a clear point there. I deleted everything. Anything Uber. Get to fuck off the phone. Never will Uber Eats or Uber fucking taxi be used again by your old dad. Now, you may be sitting going like, oh, I'm sure that that'll make a real impact on him. Well, I'm telling you, see, if I was uh, the head of a mobile delivery company that delivers takeaway food, and I found out that fat people were deleting my app, and they're going fucking mental. That's your key demographic. When you sign up for these things, name, confirm your phone number, email address, blah 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 it should ask for your weight and current mental health status. You know? And then there should be a rating system within that. You get it on Uber. I'm 4.95. How do you get that higher rate? I've never farted, I've never shat, and I've never spewed in a taxi. 4.95. And then you get a friend who's like, what's your Uber rating? 3.2. You're like, in the name of God, what did you do? <laughs> what horror! unveiled in an Uber ride that got you a rating of under four. I mean, you'd effectively need to fucking shit, then eat the shit, and then vomit in a taxi to get an, an Uber rating of under four stars. But if I had a, a delivery app service that delivers takeaway food, yes, I'd want your email because I need to steal your data. Yes, I'd want your mobile number because I need to steal your data. But then I'd be going, here, how heavy are you and how are you feeling today? You know? And to make it easier, I'd even put a sad face, a happy face, and then just that, that indifference face. Pick a face. And see if anybody said they're over 18 stone and they're a sad face. In the name of the fucking... Welcome to VIP status. I'd put a star next to your name. I'd make your background a different colour. You know? I'd offer you free delivery. Because I'd absorb those costs. Everything. Anything you want, you fat, sad bastard. You be sitting going to your pulse. What's your Uber Eats rating? Uh, mine's is, is, is a 4.2. What's yours? I don't have a rating. I've just got this star. I'm going, like, how the fuck did you get VIP status? Because I'm a fat, sad bastard. I eat my emotions. That's what I'd be doing. You know? None of this male or female don't care. Don't care. Are you a man or a woman or, or, or non-binary or something else? Don't give a fuck. How heavy are you? How sad are you? <laughs> That's the algorithms that I would be punching into my app. Sitting in the market meetings. What should we do, Gaffer? How are we going to target our clientele? Who, who are we? Who who? Who'll be using the app? What people do we really want to go after? I want fat, lonely, sad people. Get them signed up. Get them eaten. <laughs> so Uber Eats is out. After that one, uh, one, one for car. And I know some people go, you've got to give them a second chance. I think you have to give people a second chance in life. But businesses, forget it. No chance. Unless you're the only fucking game in town, you know? 
then maybe you're going to have to swallow a bit of shite every now and again. Metaphorically. Because there's nowhere else for you to go. But when Uber Eats fucks up and there's other options, you're out! Now, you're left between, unless there's any kind of third-party small startups or uh, Chinese independent apps I'm not aware of, you're left with Just Eat and uh, Deliveroo. Now, never in my life have I ordered through Just Eat, and I'll tell you for why. I feel as if... I feel as if Just Eat is made up entirely, exclusively, of chippies and shitholes. That's that's my feeling on that. Um, I am prepared to be swayed, but it's unlikely I'll ever move fully from that position. <coughs> Where the fuck did that come from? I'm being attacked. God, apologies for that. <coughs> I feel delivery offers a, a wide and varied selection. Why are we talking? This isn't even on the notes. This isn't even on the notes. Why are we talking about this? Wide and varied selection. And Just Eat, majority is shite chippies and shite holes. I think if you pass you pass a takeaway in, your, in the car or on the bus if you're a sad transport wanker and, and you see like a really horrible looking kind of Chinese, Mal- now they're trying to be fancy, like Malaysian Cantonese cuisine. It's all the fucking same shite in a tub. You pass someone that looks really grotty, or oh, there's like a shutter halfway up at like four o'clock in the afternoon, and some guy in a pair of sandals and uh, tracky bottoms with massive heat on his fag, just mopping the pavement. For what reason? I do not know. You tend to find they'll then have a, a, a sign outside saying, we're, we're on just eat, you like, I, I, I could have guessed that. Could have guessed that. So I feel as if Justy is is predominantly uh, shite holes, you know. But uh, I don't even know if there's any other apps other than the big three: Deliveroo, Justy, you know, and uh, Uber Eats bastards. I guess they they're swaying people in because they got McDonald's. Why are we talk? Why are we talking about deliveries? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we got into this. I don't know. But welcome to the episode. Um, I uh, I wanted to talk today a little bit about the uh, election, right? And um, it's a big thing. It's uh, it's exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, God knows what's going to happen. Um, I think that we are all uh, slightly concerned as to, as to what may happen in America. I I um I kind of I, I enjoy politics, right? Started watching the West Wing again from the start. One of the greatest shows ever. The 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 writing, the way it's filmed, the pace, um, fantastic. I love it, right? Absolutely love it. Love the characters in it. Love the stories. Um, just a great show. Also quite funny in parts where I think that the humour's not meant to be, and it's funny because I'm obviously a Scottish person watching uh, a show about American politics, and it's done in a way, it's like, you know, God bless America, God blesseth everyone, God bless America, and, and God, and Jesus, and God bless America, it's all that shit, right? 
America's the greatest and we got to show the world. We got to show the world. God bless America. So when when you watch those kind of scenes in it, it's funny because that is, that's how they see themselves. That's generally how they see themselves. America sees themselves as this, not only a superpower, as the superpower. America sees themselves as the world. America is the centre of the world according to America, right? They have to be involved in everything. They've got to fix everything. They've got to be everybody's pal. Everybody's got to love them. Everybody should want to be American. Everybody should want to live in America. But we don't want you coming in if you're a funny colour. And everybody's got to have that attitude of America's the greatest thing ever. And it does come across in the show, right? But you you put up with it because it's, you know, there's some good stuff in it. But anyway, when they, when they do that kind of, you know, the music starts and it's like you're... God bless you, President Burley. God bless America. You do laugh because you're like, this is how these fucking cunts see themselves. So, when Trump got in the first time, it was bloody hilarious. Right? Now, like many of us, we all thought this is the start of the apocalypse because we believed the media and we believed that hype and we believed that, very much like in the UK, this is a right-wing party coming I don't know the man. I've never met him. Sounded like I'm ever going to meet him. I think Trump generally went, ran for president because, one, I think he was bored. Two, he could. He could do it. And three, he was pissed off. Because we all know about Barack Obama taking the piss at him at that charity dinner. We all know that. And, and as daft as it sounds, that is probably one of the reasons why he done it. And then he done it. The thing that has confused me the most and I'll go back to talk about that election night because the night it happened was spectacular the thing that gets me the most is that in the four years that he has been president nothing has changed nothing has changed now the world economy has not collapsed America has not devolved into chaos you could argue that the current situation that's happened with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd has sparked some kind of civil unrest, but that has been happening for years. For years, police officers have been murdering black people and white people, Hispanics, whatever. For years, there has been civil unrest in America. It now may be that because they have someone at the top that they can push that towards, and by they I mean the media, it's maybe been easier to get that message across. But it certainly has not been as bad as we all thought. No, does that tell us one of two things? Does that tell us that Trump has actually been a better president than everybody thought? Or does that tell you the other side, that the, the American president is not actually in charge of running the country? I would probably sway towards the second. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Never in my lifetime anyway, since I've been kind of a passive interest in politics, have I ever known any country on the eve of an election to be building up fucking riot shields, fences. It's, it's almost as if there's going to be the biggest music concert happening in Washington, D.C., I have never seen so much security being put into place that, that's currently going up and is up at this very moment 
around the White House in Washington. It's insane because they think either way there's going to be some kind of unrest. I mean, even that itself has to show you how fucked up a position America's in at the moment in that the fear of what either side wins, whether it's Biden or whether it's Trump, they know there's going to be some kind of unrest. Honestly, I think it's probably better and easier for the country as a whole if Trump gets back in again. And I'll tell you for why. I think if, if Biden gets in, here, here's the problem. Trump supporters are not all mental. They're not all racist at all. It's like when people voted for Brexit, when you go, oh, you're just all racist. As soon as that argument begins, you've, you've lost, in my opinion. And I think that's the reason why people are no longer able to have discussions. So you cannot just say that Trump supporters are all idiots, they're morons, they're racist. You can't say that, right? But within the Trump side of America versus the Biden side of America, if you take the two nutter elements of each one, Trump's nutters will kick fuck out Biden's nutters every day of the week and twice on a Sunday. So my fear would be, if Biden was to win, you're going to have every mental MAGA hat wearing, AK-47 touting, Trump nutter, on the streets, going fucking bananas. Bananas! Whereas if Trump wins again, I think there will be civil unrest and, and, at, at a discussion level. There may be a small uh, tea party held or, or a cupcake or a, or a, a bringing by bake sale where they will go, oh, God damn you, Trump, God damn you. But maybe they'll no need the riot shields and the fucking referees. <laughs> They've got more security going up. The only place I have seen more security going up other than what's currently been built in Washington, D.C. to stop rioters getting to the White House is fucking Glastonbury. If if anybody in the, in the Trump White House or the administration were concerned that people may be able to storm the White House, they should have just got the security team at Glastonbury. Those cunts have been keeping fucking hipsters out of that festival for decades. You know? Hippies, hipsters, swamp people. I've no got a ticket, Governor. Get the fuck out of here. High-level security at Glastonbury. So four years ago... Um, I was in London doing some gigs and uh, I was invited to a, a, I was invited to a, a, an election party right and it was being organised by a couple of comics, political comics and I put on this thing and uh, it was at a working men's club right which straight away uh, it kind of shocked I, I wasn't fully clued up on my London hipster lingo at that point so when I was told it was in this working men's club, um, it did kind of shock me. But I thought, Christ, I didn't, I didn't imagine some of the comics that I knew would have been in an environment like that. And then obviously, when I got there, I very quickly realised this is a working men's club that probably was a working men's club twenty years ago. I knew that all the hipsters have moved into that area and gentrified it. It's no longer actually a working men's club, and it's just the people who used to run it and knew try to make money off the hipsters. And fair play to them, right? Fair fucking play to them. So they'd organised this this event, and uh, it was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. And the thing that got me the most is that none of them, no one else, found it funny. 
And that made it even more funny to me. No one else found it funny. The fact that people were in this room having debates, having debates about American politics. And and there was there was no jokes in it. I mean it's deadly serious. And I thought that this is not this is not this is not what we're meant to do. It's comedy. Like it's meant to be funny. Not funny as in, you know, everybody's holding their sides around about laughing, but you may poke fun at it. You know, you may say things that maybe enrage people or you know, say something that is going to get a discussion going. I don't know, but it was just, it was very serious. They were taking questions from the floor. They had made a very professional setup. And at one point I was asked to go into the panel, I went on, uh, there was a woman there, a Scottish woman from London, she, she heard my accent, she piped up. Um, so I started banging on about Scottish independence. I says, we're going to invade England. Uh, I was going to force Londoners to, to, to look after the Scousers. I says, we're not going to take them. Um, it went on and on and on. And this woman piped up about how she lives in London and uh, Scottish independence is the worst thing and as a Scottish person she'll be voting against it and it turns out she worked for an oil company, you know, six figure and I just went after her, right? The one point that I did make was that on the night this big thing about world politics and how if Trump was to win it would destroy it and how he's no interest in the homeless or no interest in the poor and I simply made the point that the area in London that we were in had a vast homeless population and all of us who came here from the tube would have walked past 10, 15 homeless people on the way here. How many of you have done anything to help those people? None whatsoever. And it's much easier to be concerned about issues and homelessness and they're out to get the poor and they're eating babies and they're raping folk in a pizza shop because that is in a foreign land. And it's easier to be involved in that stuff and engage with it and actually look at things in your fucking back door. Maybe not your back door. I mean, if there's homeless people in your back door, uh, that's a problem. Obviously, back door meaning the back of your house, not your arsehole. If there's a homeless person living in your arsehole, uh, you know, seek medical advice. Um, but on the night, obviously, we all know how it went, and, uh, and Trump won. And the best bit about the whole thing, that this now this has been going on forever, so this has been going on from like 8 o'clock at night, and we're talking, what, half past two, three o'clock in the morning. This has been going on for a long time, you know. Well organised, a lot of people there, a lot of speakers. A, a big event. And uh, when it was confirmed that Trump won, they just turned the telly off. <laughs> they just turned it off. They just turned it off. And I, I could not believe it. I, I still, to this day, I, I could not believe it. And that... That moment when everything just got switched off and people are leaving like it was a funeral, that summed everything up to me. And that summed up almost the reason why, I suppose, you know, the Tories get back in. And, I mean, you could argue, like, almost the reason why the, the, the left of British politics has no real guts anymore. It's almost, even if I look at it in my own industry... Why everything that's currently being produced and been put there, there's no edge to anything. There's no, there's no, there's no bite. There's no substance. You know, it's all mundane, nice. You know, don't upset anyone. Don't offend anyone. Just put, just pushing the same shit over and over again. Turned it off, and he all walked out. And I thought, this is brilliant, man, because it's not gone their way, and they're not happy, even though they're not involved in it. The response is just. Turn that off. Where's the discussion then? Where's the discussion around 
what happens, how do you rebuild? And and this is, I, I laugh now because we are literally four years down the line from that point, and I do feel as if in global politics, whether you want to stay away from American, nobody's learned anything. This is a guy in Trump who does the majority of his work on Twitter. There's no other politician who's making waves like that. No, no, no. He engages directly with people. Whether you like what he says or not, he engages directly with them. Nothing has changed in the opposition's approach to how they deal with this. Nothing has changed. They're, they're bringing in the same people. Fucking Hillary Clinton was back up at one point. But they go with Biden. It's the same names over and over and nothing has changed. And it does feel as if he's going to get back in again. I feel as if they have completely misunderstood the American people again and the fuck is going to get back in <laughs> another four years who in the wildest dreams thought even when he got in that he would get in again now we could be sitting here listening and he could have lost and he could have, America could have united but I do not think that is the case a BBC News article here says that uh, Americans are voting in one of the most decisive presidential elections in decades, uh, pitting incumbent uh, Republican Donald Trump against his Democratic challenger Joe Biden. The first poll opens at 5am uh, Eastern Time, which is 10pm Greenwich Mean Time in a, uh, Vermont. Um, so as we're recording this, poll's been on for two hours. Nearly 100 million people have already cast their ballots in early voting, putting the country on course for its highest turnout in a century. Both rivals have spent the final hours of the race rallying in key swing states. Um, not true, really, not true. Uh, again, even, even so I, I, you may have this as well, you got access to some American news channels, right? So the last week I've been watching American news channels just to kind of see how it's been reported out there. And I could not believe the amount of rallies that Trump had been doing right up to the final point. And also, in contrast to that, the amount of days that Joe Biden had been taken off. It's a, it's a very, it's a, you know, it's a very, it's a complete opposite approach to to this election from both sides. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, in the US election, votes decide state-level contests rather than an overall single national vote. Um, like us, for example, we vote for uh, in an election. We vote for a party, um, and then it's the it's the numbers that you get in, in the votes first past the post. Whereas in America, they vote by state. Uh, so sometimes you'll see the map of America, and each state lights up a different color, and then each state within that carries a different number of electoral votes as well. So it gets very confusing. Um, among the first to decide election uh, on Tuesday are the key battlegrounds of North Carolina and Ohio. Uh, followed half an hour later by Florida, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, and uh, Arizona will follow at one o'clock. Um, where are the main battleground states? Each state has a number of electrical, electoral college votes. Um, at least 270 are needed to win the election. To be elected president, a candidate must win at least 270 votes in what is called the electoral college. Each US state ha gets a certain number of votes partly based on its population, and there are a total of 538 uh, possible electoral votes up for grabs in the 271. System explains why it's possible for a candidate to win the most votes nationally, like Hillary Clinton in 2016, but lose the election. Oh! It's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting, man. It really is. It's going to be exciting. And if you get four more years of Trump, 
who knows what is going to happen that time. I mean, I do think that as much as I think he is a joke, as much as I think almost everything that he says is is a is a disgrace for a man in his position to be to be speaking in such a way. There's still a party that fucking loves it. There's still a party that thinks this is mental that it's happening. And I've said it before, the fact that America is built on this idea of you can be anything you want, you can do anything you want. So when somebody who's come along with enough money and enough power has done what he's wanted, the response can't be, well, but we didn't mean you. Four more years of Trump, man. Four more years of Trump could give us some beautiful quotes list. And like I said, not everything he says, I completely disagree with. This, for example, Trump, during, <laughs> during a press conference, said, I have never seen a thin person drinking Diet Coke. Now, <laughs> as, as, much, as much as I hate it, as much as I fucking despise him, I mean, credit when credit is due. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it feels as if he just says the things that, that there's no filter, you know? There's no filter there. And it, it, because the man's probably in a position where he has so much money and he has so much fame, he literally could do and say what he wants. He's probably the, the only candidate or only president that fully understands the American people and the American psyche. He understands the power of media. Even like he said in his first election campaign, he could shoot someone in, in the street and still and still win. And he could. He could. But he's nailed it with that one. I've never seen a third person trying to go. <laughs> Uh, some other uh, amazing uh, Trump uh, quotes. Um, again, even saying this at a rally, my fingers are long and beautiful, as it's been well documented are various other parts of my body. I mean, Im imagine a fucking president saying, I've got massive fingers and a giant bobby. Four more years of this, man. Who can forget the, uh, the horrific comments made about Mexico? I mean, even the fact... Listen, reading this back will show you how horrendous this statement was but even the fact that an American president has made this statement it's fucking mind blowing when Mexico sends its people they're not sending the best they're not sending you they're sending people that have lots of problems and they're bringing those problems they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime they're rapists and some I assume are good people but I speak to border guards and they're telling us what they're getting that that statement in itself is fucking mind blowing. But listen, we we see stuff like that and we are horrified. That is absolutely no different, in my opinion, than the way the Brexit Party and some members of the Conservative Party spoke about immigration into this country. Even the way that some people have spoken about the uh, the the refugees that are coming over in boats at the moment. I mean, that's a disgusting way to treat people. The fact that we've got Sky News going upside down in a boat going, how are y'all doing? Everything fine? How am I doing? I'm in a fucking dinghy if he's sitting here, you cunt. What the fuck do you think I'm doing? And then we watch that and it's spurring away going like, look what's happening, Franco. They're all coming over here and they're going to fucking take a jobs. It's, it's no different than the way that our media portrays some of this. No different at all. But because it's no it's not our Prime Minister that's saying it, 
You know, we laugh about these things. We go, Christ, did you hear what Trump said about the Mexican? Fuck's sake. Imagine us doing something like that. That'd never happen. Never happen, eh? More beautiful quotes of Trump. Th this is the one when I saw it, I thought, do you know what? This up will appeal to such a vast amount of Americans that no, regardless of what he does after that, they've won his vote. Our country is in serious trouble. We don't have victories anymore. We used to have victories. We don't have them. When was the last time anybody saw us beaten? Let's say China in a trade deal. I beat China all the time. All the time. First of all, that, that doesn't even make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. But he just has to say the right words in the right rhythm. That applies to voters' brains. He's right. We've, we've never beat anybody in fucking years. We used to be the greatest country in the world. Now, now fucking China's coming along. And again, nails it bang on with climate change. This is up there with the Diet Coke one. But speaking on climate change, it's freezing and snowing in New York. We need global warming. <laughs> He's right. How many people, how many people... I know, I, I listen, I can tell you three people who I have spoken to in my life that when we are getting wind and rain and fucking driving snow, people have gone, I thought we were global warming it was going to get warmer. Where the fuck, where the fuck's all the hot weather? I thought that was, when I used to watch the news about global warming, they were telling me, the temperature's going to go up, we're going to get fucking summer in March and I'll be barbecuing in November. Where the fuck's going on? That's how people think. That's how people think. He takes the bottom layer of society and goes right after them. And he wins. You know, he wins and it's fucking, it's mental. It's mental that nothing has changed within those four years for the opposition. That, that to me, is the maddest thing at all this, that no one's changed their approach. No one from... The, the Democrats were going like, do you know what? Everybody's getting a million dollars, a penguin, and we're all getting fucking Fridays off. Yes! And then when they again go, well, we're all joking about the penguin. You know, and Fridays, but fucking, let's give me a couple of years, I'll see what I can do. You could say in, say whatever you want. Everybody gets a gun and a butler. Vote Democrat. And then when you can go, oh, there's a problem, there's a problem with the butlers. Uh, and the guns are, well, we're going to deal with that in a minute. All right, it's coming. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, even if you're sitting in the opposition going, well, we can't do that because we can't promise things. The fucking cunt said he was going to build a wall. The fucking cunt said he's going to build a wall. Is there a wall built? No, really. It doesn't matter. Say what you want. It doesn't matter. They're all corrupt. Every fucking last one of them. But who knows? Who knows? Four more years of Trump or a Biden victory. Who knows what's going to happen? Unsure. Unsure. Right, let's look at a couple of news stories that have happened uh, and I'm sure you saw... I'm sure you saw this one. Um, when, I first, when I first heard the, the article... Or the headline, sorry. I had flashbacks to Largs. And I thought, it's happened again. Um, you may have seen it, you may not have seen it. 
Uh, train crash, uh, obviously. Uh, train saved from disaster by giant whale after crashing through barrier at the end of the track. Now, when I heard it, uh, I did have flashbacks to Largs. <laughs> well, I mean, it's no funny. You know, I shouldn't be laughing. But uh, a train crashed in Largs, as you may remember, Largs Vegas, uh, and smashed right out onto the street. The most exciting thing that happened in Largs since uh, the fucking statue of the Viking got put aside the chippy. But when I when I saw the the picture, um, I mean, what? First of all, the chances of that happening, you know, slim one in a million if that. But then to be, to then be balancing on top of that. Now I believe it's the, it's a whale's tail, um, the tail of a whale. I mean, that is something that a Hollywood movie. Just look at that picture, man. Um. Also, with the with the current uh, cutbacks to the uh, the art world, you know, once again, art saves the day. Um, is the thing we should be taking from this. Now, maybe I, I would suggest that if there is a train station anywhere in uh, in the world that you build massive uh, statues outside of it, either like a whale, as we've seen, or a gorilla with its giant hands up. Anything that can be designed to catch a train should it decide to leave the, the station. Um, the article reads, A train driver's life was saved by a giant whale tail after his train crashed through the barriers at the end of the track. The train plunged straight through and would have ended up in the water uh, below if the artwork hadn't broken its fall. Nobody else was on the train. What? Never knew that. Nobody else was on the train and the driver was un... Would, sorry. Start again, Scott. You're getting yourself excited here. Nobody else was on the train and the driver was able to escape to safety himself. Was he steaming? Was he... He's not. Is he going through a divorce? What's happening? Why is he on the train himself? End of the shift, maybe? Does the train no... Does the train no get a house? Does the train no go into the, the depot? Does the train go back up? Anyway, don't know. Um... The carriage is now suspended 10 metres above a footpath at Diakus Metro Station in Spitzenkainzer near Rotterdam. Oh, he's Dutch. He's stoned. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. The Dutch, my favourite people, uh, they love a statue. Love a statue. Bit of art. People, Dutch people, they understand art and its value. You know? Uh, driving his train home at night, up the road, to watch a bit of Dutch TV, you know, maybe maybe go to a, a Rotterdam game, and I thought, fuck, I'll just have a wee fat one, it's just me in the train, and he's ploughed it through the barrier onto a wheel's tail, suddenly it all makes sense, why not just put this in the headline, why not go, Dutch man crashes train, everything I need to know is in that title, I don't need to read on, uh, a local safety board spokesperson told broadcaster NOS, we are tr we are trying to decide how much we can bring the train down in in careful and controlled manner. The sculpture oh, this is just normal talk. The sculpture made of polyester polyester was made by Martin Struge uh, and placed in the water at the end of the tracks in two thousand and two. Uh, a neighbor said we woke up at quarter past twelve. In the name of the God, Hans, what's that noise? Uh, there was a blow of two or three seconds. <laughs> uh, then I suddenly saw that the tail was occupied. <laughs> occupied? 
Now, I want to think that this is Dutch people being interviewed in English. So they're maybe, you know, and then I suddenly saw that the tail was occupied and I thought, hey, something very strange is going on. <laughs> what an amazing sentence. What an absolutely amazing sentence. Get down to the scene. Interview some of the neighbours. Although, did you see the incident? I did. Can you tell us about it? There was a blow, like, two or three seconds, you know, like, <laughs> then suddenly I saw the tail was occupied and I thought, hey, something very strange is going on. <laughs> oh, my God, like, they stole like, a train on the top of the whale tail. And I thought, hey, what the, what the fuck have we been smoking? There's a train in the whale. Oh, it's not yet clear what caused the train to overshoot the track. He was out his fucking dial. That's what caused the train to shoot the track. He was out his box, he's watching porn on the phone, he's leaned on the fucking wrong lever, and he's fired it right out. Oh, do you know what? He's just been a wee bit bored. He's been driving that train for 30 years, and he's went, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if I just fucked this right through the barrier. Landed in a whale. Now, I wouldn't be bringing it down. I'd just leave it up there. A polyester whale tail, right? That's a bit boring, man. How do you spice up a bit of street art? Fucking leave a training tap yet. You're telling me that doesn't look more exciting. You know? More of a discussion. How did they get the train up there? I actually took about 16 cranes to, to lever it into place. Going, no, no, I'll tell you what happened, mate. Some guy was at his fucking box on White Widow and he smashed it right through the barrier. <laughs> Imagine being that neighbour. <laughs> and you just see mad stuff all the time out of any Dutch window. Yeah, come and have a look at this. No, I'm sick of you talking shit. Mate, there's a fucking train on top of your wheel. <laughs> oh, thankfully no one was on board. Is the, is the main thing to take. The main thing to take from that, no one's on board. Um, and the driver's safe. You know, so we can laugh about it. So we can laugh about it. <laughs> I just leave it. I would just leave it on, man. Just leave it on. As long as it's safe. Put a bit of fucking gorilla tape on or some. Leave on the wheelchair. Right, I've got some questions um, on Facebook, and apologies I've put this up a bit late to get, uh, if you missed it, but if you do have a question uh, for the podcast or a topic to discuss, uh, then please do get in touch. Um, best way to do it, probably Facebook or Instagram. I don't, I, do you know, I hate Twitter. I don't I don't really use Twitter at all anymore. Um, so if you don't already follow the uh, follow me on Instagram, do that. It's at Big Scott Gibson, and on Facebook, it's Scott Gibson Comedy. Um, give the page a like and drop us a question or you can go to the website uh, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk if it's a longer question or you want to be anonymous you can do it uh, through there as well and uh, we should say again start of another month huge thank you as always to every single rascal who is on the Patreon um, cannot thank you enough for your continued support with the show um, Got some good things coming up. We're going to be doing another uh, live comedy gig as well on the Patreon and uh, some bits and pieces happening over the, over the next couple of months and, and moving into the next year. We're going to build that up. So if you want to support this podcast or support me 
or just get access to all that extra content, um, then become a, a patron. It's the only way to access it, and it's going to be the only way in future um, to get involved with all the extra content as well. Uh, you do that at patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. That's P A T R E O N dot com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. So sign up to that. Now you can do it uh, for a pound a week. Works out at pound a week. Uh, fuck all. You know? One pound a week and you get an extra podcast and you get access to other goodies, man. It's going to be fun. Um, Alan Forster. First one I've seen here on Facebook, Alan. Alan has asked, uh, have you been down to the Meadows to play Quidditch since you've moved to Edinburgh? I have not, Alan. I have not. Um, the Meadows is, I'm, I'm doing Leith, doing with the, with the gadgets, you know, with the real Edinburghs, with a rough and tumble. Um, I like being near the brass monkeys. Keeps me grounded. Meadows, other side, you know. Bit posh, bit shunty, bit twatty. I have not seen the Quidditch myself. I've been told it does happen. Um, I don't know if there is a Quidditch league. I don't know. If I'm honest with you, I, I know it's from Harry Potter. I have not seen all, all of the Harry Potters because I, I think it's shit. Um, I think Daniel Radcliffe is, is mince in it. Uh, I think the people who cast him after the first film were probably like, oh, why did we do that? Because now they're stuck with him. He's maybe becoming a better actor as, as he's got older. Um, but the Harry Potter films themselves, for me, I think it's a little bit shite. Um, you know, not read the books. Am I going to read the books? Don't be fucking stupid. But I've not seen the Quidditch. I will say this. At the weekends, though, if you drive past the meadows, you will see a whole collection of nonsense that goes on down there. And then maybe, I don't know if it's my dark heart, I don't know if I just need to melt that ice heart of mine. You know, sometimes when I see, like, and I'm talking grown men, I'm talking adults, I'm not talking kids. If there's kids playing fucking Quidditch or messing about, they're wains, right? Let them have fun. But when there's grown adults practising juggling and standing on each other's shoulders and they've got a trapeze rope across the trees, you know, there's part of it that goes, what the fuck are these kids up to? But maybe they're just having fun and enjoying life. You know, and maybe if I was thin and athletic, you know, and have somebody on my shoulders and I could juggle and go on a trapeze rope, maybe I'd be doing it in my bare feet. You know, maybe I'd be all happy, enjoying life's great. I don't know. I don't know, Alan. I still think I'm right, but I've not seen the Quidditch, my friend. I have not. Um, Morris Stewart, uh, Morris, great name, Morris. Uh, why are there so few Scottish comedy podcasts? Uh, this podcast and the hashtag show are the only two I can find other than BBC comedy. I mean, if you're looking for comedy, mate, I would stay away from anything that's got BBC in it. Um, Smug Twat is looking for a panel show contract. Are there any others you can recommend? Uh, there's not many. There's not many um, that I know of anyway. Um, there's a few podcasts out there that are being produced in Scotland, made by Scottish people. Um... Comedy-wise, I don't know any other Scottish comics for a podcast. I, I, I'm not really, I don't really know any that I would recommend. I do, I do think that the kind of podcast, the kind of podcast scene, if you like, is dominated by the London acts at the moment because, again, because of the big agencies. So you know, they they are, they're given, whether it be advertising money or they're given money to sign up to a particular um, podcast network. 
podcasting is, is tough. You know, it's hard. Um, I've I've spoken about this before. I am sitting just now. You know, here I'll I'll, I'll record for an hour plus. Um, it's a difficult skill if you want to call it that, just to to broadcast for an hour with with no guests or, or nothing going on. There is a little bit of prep involved in this. I do spend an hour before it going through some news stories, getting together the slides, if there's any pictures to get put up, load that into the system. Um, so there's a bit of work involved there. And then once we're done, there's the edit, and then there's the uploads and, and the promo. And when you're doing that as a one-man band, it's, it's a lot of work, you know. So I hope you fuckers appreciate it. But by that, what I mean is, at the start, and currently just now for me, the work that is involved in doing it and maintaining it and keeping it going heavily outweighs the financial contribution you receive, right? If you're doing it alone. So, for example, I can see the, the Patreons building and I know that, you know, another year at this, maybe another two years, building the fan base, building the listeners, building it up, maybe in two years' time, will be at the point where it is balancing in that you are getting the contributions that balance the work that's going in. And when you look at it from that point of view, there are a lot of people, if not all of the people in Scottish comedy, are probably unwilling to put that work in because the rewards are not instant and they're not continued. You know, it takes time to build these things up. I mean, we are now 53 episodes in, uh, the the listeners are, are, are building month on month, but it's hard, you know, and it takes a, it takes a lot of effort. And when people maybe don't get instant gratification, they're not they're not willing to do that. Or people are also wanting to to go in and have vast numbers and be doing you know huge things. And again, you've got to want to do something. You've got to have a passion for it. You know, I have wanted to do a podcast, a solo podcast, for a long time. I'm now doing it. I'm happy with what it is. It's building and it's growing and it's great. I do the hashtag show. It's the complete opposite of this. Again, I love that and it's growing and it's building and it's great. But you've got to have the passion for it. Um, I do think there should be more. I do think there should be more podcasts from, I suppose you would call them, more higher profile comedians in Scotland and in the UK. I really do. I think that the fact that a lot of them don't have podcasts, I think, is is daft because I think that it can give them a, a chance to get a voice out there that's maybe not seen on television or, or is not known about. Uh, and I also think it gives their fans a, a chance to have a different connection with them. But when you look at the industry in the UK, um, I imagine a lot of comedians who you know, are higher profile would argue they don't have the time, although you can make time. They would argue that they don't want to be seen to be saying certain things because it goes against brand, you know. So there's something very freeing about podcasting that has never existed in any industry in that you can literally do and say what you want. And um, I enjoy it. I like doing the podcast. I like listening to podcasts. I listen to Bad Friends, um, Andrew Santino and Bobby Lee. I listen to Theo Vaughn. I occasionally listen to Joe Rogan, depending on the guest. Um, I'm just trying to see what else I've got in my in my library. Um, so the ones I have saved on my phone are Bad Friends, The Hashtag Show, which you should all be listening to, Tim Dillon, 
uh, whiskey ginger, tiger belly, and uh, food. But we digress, which is a, a food podcast. That's the ones that I've got. So, yeah, it's 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 um, can I recommend other ones other than those ones I just mentioned? Um, not really, but again, I'm sure there's there's people who are listening just now who listen to other podcasts. Um, and if there is any that you would suggest, then you know by all means get in touch, and we can give them a mention. But it's a uh, it's it's a hard thing podcasting. You know, it's it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to sit and talk for an hour, um, by yourself. It's even a hard thing to organise. You know, guess whatever if you want to do it. But I enjoy it. I, I like doing it. So I will I will continue to do it, and hopefully, like I said, um, the main thing would be to continue to grow the listening, grow the figures, and grow that the Patreon, that's the big thing, if we can get to a point um, over the next couple of years where, um, you know, we can support ourselves um, from the Patreon, that's the ideal situation I would like to be in um, with this show anyway, because then it gives, you the, it gives you the creative freedom to be able to do lots of other things without having that uh, financial worry, if you like, because, you know, the now, everything we're going through with COVID, it's a hustle, man. Life's a hustle. And and all of us are now hustling to get past. So make good stuff. Uh, offer something different. And uh, hopefully we continue to, to build uh, the podcast. And like I say, if you, if you are listening and you are not on the Patreon, please do consider um, becoming a patron today. $5, you can sign up um, for as little as that. Or go higher if you want. Uh, you know, if you're a millionaire listening to this, and you want to support the show, why not go a bit higher? But, um, yeah, got a lot of things I want to try and do, uh, Morris, with the show. Uh, some things I'd like to try and do with the live comedy show as well, the gigs, um, some interesting stuff. But that would require a, a bit more uh, listening and viewing numbers and uh, a bit more money coming in to support it as well. But we'll get there, you know, we'll get there. And uh, I appreciate everybody who's on board right now, Morris, thanks for your question mate and to Alan, uh, thank you for, for your questions as well and again if you do have any questions, uh, please do get in touch uh, with the show Right, let's wrap this one up a um, couple of things, uh, we've got one more story to finish up on and uh, one thing that I'll say as well, the, the show uh, in Paisley uh, most of you will know by now. You may have seen the post that went up on Facebook. Um, as maybe in Paisley this Friday, very much looking forward to it. Um, it's been postponed, obviously, because of COVID. Um, spoke to the guys at the bungalow. Wonderful bunch of guys, man. Great team they've got there. Uh, I just feel... Right now, I'm gutted that, obviously, we're still in a situation where we're postponing gigs and pushing them back. Um it's mind-blowing to think that we're in November and we're still doing this. I, I honestly thought we would be long gone by now. Um, and I, I obviously I feel for myself on a personal front because this is my job and it's my livelihood and uh, it's another month of, of you know, kind of struggling, if you like, but we all are. But when I speak to the venues, man, I, f I feel so bad for the venues because they have fucking jumped through hoops for this government, everything that the government has fucking put in place for them, they have jumped through hoops and done it, and then it can just, there's no guarantees, you know, and everything can just be taken away at the last minute, so the venue themselves, the bungalow in Paisley, they've effectively been forced into closure, 
Um, they're not going to be able to open now until 2021. Uh, they hope to be back in the new year. And as soon as they are, we will get a replacement date in place. Um, and I hope you can all join me for that. And when we do, the gig is going to be brilliant. Uh, I, I honestly cannot wait for it. Um, it's going to be cool. It's going to be something different. A wee rock club. Um, it's going to be brilliant. And um, yeah, so watch out for that. As soon as I get a replacement date, I'll let you all know. But everybody who has a ticket for it, you don't need to do anything. Your, your tickets are secure and uh, they will be valid for the new date when we get it. And it's the same for the Glasgow date as well. Um, you don't have to worry about anything. Uh, those of you who had tickets for the original dates, everything will be valid for the new dates um, when they come up. So I will keep you posted on that. And again, you know, I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep saying it, man, but I cannot thank you all enough for your support and for those of you who bought tickets. Uh, right, let's finish up on this. Uh, and what an absolute beauty this story is. Uh, con artists conjure up fake genie to dupe Doctor into buying a £72,000 Aladdin's lamp. Now, when I read stuff like this, I think, do you know what? Fair fucks to them because this guy deserves everything he gets. Look at that lamp. Look at that picture. Who is spending seventy-two grand? on an Aladdin's lamp. Some absolute rocket of a doctor. Now, this story, uh, good friends at the Metro, it's been a while. Uh, Shan Elvin is bringing us this one. And uh, I have to say, it's an absolute beauty. Two men have been arrested, uh, the article starts, uh, after a doctor was conned out of £72,000 for an Aladdin's lamp. Now, before we read any further, let me just say this. In the current situation and climate that we find ourselves in, with COVID-19. If there is somebody sitting about with a spare 72 grand and they are conned out of that 72 grand by two crafty little scamps, I say, fair fucks to them, let them keep the money, you rich cunt. 72 grand conned because you thought you're buying an Aladdin's lamp, you fucking rocket. It was alleged that they conjured up a fake genie. What? To trick their victim like can into handing over the cash in utter perdra sorry, Pradesh in India. It's another mental story for India. We've known one of them in a while. Here was me thinking that this was somewhere down in England in the home counties, a couple of rough and tumble gypsy scamps have gone the local GP and went, hey, we've got a fucking lamp, 72 grand. Turns out it's in a place called Uttar in India. My God. Uh, Dr. Khan said one of the men pretended to be an oculist. What? An oculist. I cannot read big medical words. Dr. Khan said one of the men pretended to be an oculist and made a gin a supernatural figure appear from the lamp local media reported. What the fuck is going on? Let's read that again. Dr. Khan said one of the men pretended to be an oculist and made a gin a supernatural figure appear from the lamp local media reported. But when Khan asked if he could touch the genie or take the lamp home, they refused, saying it might cause him harm the complainant stated. So let me get this right. These two bampots 
have taken an old dodgy lamp in to see this doctor. They have conjured up a fake genie. He's then asked if he can touch the genie, and they've went, no, no, it, it, might, it might harm the genie if you touch him. What the fuck is happening here? And he's went, right, I believe you, 72 grand, there you go. Eventually, they sold the lamp to him, promising it would bring health, wealth, and good fortune. You've already got health! You're a doctor, you dick! What more health do you fucking need other than being a doctor? Take your own pulse. Oh, I'm dying. Fucking write your own prescription. You're a doctor. It's going to bring you wealth. You've got 72 fucking grand. You've got wealth. What is this dick all about? 72,000 pound in fucking Uttar, India. I imagine that's a tasty penny. It's going to bring you good fortune. You've got good fortune. Two fuckers have turned up trying to sell you a lamp. <laughs> Tan stated that he later realised the genie was actually just one of the men in disguise. <laughs> We're fucking hitting off the backdrops here. <sighs> At a time when we have a possibility of Trump getting four more years, you have to remember the vast majority, the vast majority of people on this planet are fucking spackers. Please understand that. He then stated he'd realised that the genie could be one of the men dressed up. <laughs> what did you think it fucking was? <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine the interrogation that's going on by the police? And but the moment the penny drops, when he realises, oh, maybe, maybe the genie was just one of them dressed up. You fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot, mate. <laughs> I'm betting the guy who's playing the genie. Oh, I'm the genie in the lab. Can I touch him? Oh, don't touch me, mate. It'll affect the supernatural powers. Think. Think of the banter between those two in the van driving away with 72 grand. That must have been the greatest feeling ever. Now, now that you come to see it, officer, maybe the other guy, it could have been a man dressed as a genie. It could have been. I'm willing to accept that. <laughs> Mr. Khan contacted the police when he realised that the lamp didn't have any magical powers as described in the folktale uh, as, as described in the folktale Aladdin and the wish granting genie did not appear when he rubbed it oh fuck how, how long how long do you think he rubbed that lamp for fucking get out of can how long do you think he spent rubbing that lamp before he phoned the police I bet when they got it one side of the lamp was completely worn away. He's fucking, come on, Jenny. <laughs> Senior police officer Amit Ray said, the cheats, are they cheats? Are they cheats? There's a, there's a, there's a, it's another thing like, ignorance is not a defence. Is that not a thing? Are they really cheats or are they just two fucking pranksters and this guy's an arsehole? The cheats had struck a deal for much more, but the doctor had paid about 7 million rupees, 93,000. Uh, he said the men were arrested on Thursday and were remanded in custody ahead of charges being filed. He added the wife of one of these men was also involved in the fraud and she is on the run. Uh, the men have also cheated other families using the same modus operandi. Uh, the total amount of money involved runs into several million rupees. So these fuckers have just found a stash of, of old lamps or they've just bought 
lamps for the market, and then they've gone around conning rich people out of money. Has any crime been committed here? Yeah, I, I could be wrong. Couple of rascals, couple of scamps, buy some old lamps, want to get his mate, right? His mate's a midget, dress him up as a genie. Get into these rich fucking twats' houses. Do some beautiful dance interpretive thing. A genie appears, you go, Shears for fucking seven million rupees, mate. Has any crime been committed other than the crime that these rich cunts are fucking idiots? Lads, I hope some defence lawyer comes in and sorts you out. Or if it was me and one of the wives has gone the run, fucking blaming the wife. 72 grand. I'm, I'm willing to believe now that the genie was actually one of the boys dressed up. <laughs> Would you ever go back to that doctor again? No. No way. You're going to go like, uh, Mr Gibson, I actually think that this is quite serious. I want to send you a specialist. You're the kind of thought a guy was an actual genie, mate. So you shut your fucking mouth. I'm getting a second opinion. There's no way you'd be going back to that doctor. <laughs> Doctor Can says that I have to get myself out. Like, that bastard still believes in genie. Don't listen to a fucking word he says. <laughs> oh, good times, man. And nice to have a story back uh, for the Metro again. Well done to everyone involved and to Sean Elvin for that wonderful story. Right, team, that's us. Another episode 53 in the bank. Uh, enjoy, share, listen, post it, subscribe to it, get it out there. Um, there's some clips that's gone up as well on the YouTube. Uh, Chanel, um, are some bits and pieces um, if you want to share them. Very much appreciated. Right, if you're not on the Patreon, get in the Patreon. Stop fucking about, man. Pound a week. Extra content, extra episodes, access to the live stand-up gigs and a whole load of other goodies coming over the coming weeks and months. So get involved in that. Um, that's us. Any questions, get in touch. Any topics, get in touch. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's, let's see what happens come election. Um, right, stay safe, wash your hands. I'm looking at my notes to see if there's anything else. I can't think of anything else. I think that's us. Um, so I stay safe, wash your hands and your arsehole. And I will hopefully see you on a battlefield very soon. Stay safe, guys. All the best. Always. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.